Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our little legal twist to it, like a little lemon at the end of a, what do you add lemons to, fish? And <laughs> uh, Anyway, my name is Nasser Pasha. <laughs> and I'm Matt Staub. I think mo- most of the time you add lemon to podcast, I, that's the only thing I can think of. Oh, you're talking about at the end after something's already made. So that would be very common in a fish and chips setting. Oh yeah, fish and chips. thought you were talking about something like a lemon peel garnish type situation, but... No, that's way too fancy for us. We're, we're a fish and chips kind of uh, podcast. So welcome to our cooking show and food culinary arts. I've actually <laughs> ranked my top 10 things to... Uh, have a twist of lemon with food wise. So is one of them a podcast podcast is number one. So, okay, great. But if I did have a business where let's say I did start a business and it was solely based on what to put a twist of lemon on at the end. But the problem was I wasn't really making any money, but I'm presenting in front of some investors and I need to value how much this business is worth. How would I go about doing that? That's our topic for today. (laughs) You know, just sitting here watching you find a way to transition into our, (laughs) into our topic of the day is just entertainment in itself. There's no lemon needed. In other words, yeah, so we're, we're talking about valuation today. I'm sure a lot of people have seen Shark Tank or have heard at least heard about Shark Tank. But if you've seen an episode, you know that at least once an episode, actually, not even once an episode, every single one you see, they come out and the first thing they say is, I'm offering this percent of my company for this amount of money. So, you know, you multiply that out and that's how you get what the entrepreneur has valued their company at. And there's usually a dispute between what someone values it at and what the sharks value it at. And so I think that's, I would say for those people that are on that show, that's probably the toughest thing for them to do. Cause a lot of times, sometimes the businesses have some track record or some sales or specific industry, things like that. But I think a lot of times they're just kind of throwing numbers out there. They've looked at prior episodes or prior things and just tried to take a stab at, you know, what they think the value of their company is. And sometimes they get called out by it, especially Mark Cuban will do that pretty frequently. And yeah. the one guy in the middle was that Kevin O'Leary, I think is his name. He'll He'll always, because he care, all he cares about is the bottom line. So, yeah, I, I like his approach. Well, I mean, he, he's pretty harsh when it comes to valuation. He's, a, he's pretty aggressive in that respect. But, you know, what's interesting about this topic is I, I think we should give a disclaimer because we're not necessarily experts in business valuation. Obviously, we can give our legal perspective on this. But it seems like everybody and their mother are experts on valuation. If you look, if you were reading online, it would seem that way, right? Only mothers, <laughs> no fathers. No, no, no fathers. Is that is that not the term? Or I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> everybody and their parents and their cousins and their brothers and sisters and sons and daughters seem to be experts in this in this field. And they come up with these rules. They're like, oh well, look, if if you're in your first year and you don't have any assets, you're a startup, automatic million dollar valuation. And then it starts from there, it goes up if you're pre-revenue, all all this stuff. But at the end of the day, we can talk about it the different ways that people approach it. But to kind of cut to the chase, I think at the end, it's not a perfect calculation. It's built on instinct and what the investor or whatever purpose of the valuation is, but in this case, investors feels 
your company is worth. And that could be really different depending upon the industry you're in, depending upon the investor's experience and your expertise. And it may not even have much to do with the numbers because you'll see different companies in the same space with very similar numbers get very wide ranging valuations. And it has nothing to do with how much cash they have in their pocket or how many sales they have necessarily. I mean, even when you see people, and you're right about the expert thing of valuations, but even when you see people try to bust out all this math, because there's a lot of numbers involved, you would think that would be very straightforward because math is pretty straightforward and pretty concrete. But even with the, some of the formulas you're using, you're still taking guesses at and projections at certain things. So there's no, to me, valuation is just what someone values it at. Or I guess to me, I, the most important thing is the person you're trying to get money from or investment from what they value it at. And I know that's a terrible way to define it, but that's really the most important thing. And so I think to people that are looking to value their young companies, there's a lot of different options to look at. And I think it's just finding something that one, that makes sense. And two, they can explain or back up to the best of their ability. And I think if you come in with that, if you have numbers, great, that you can back it up. That's obviously great. But I think if you can back it up and explain why you valued it that at the number you did, I think that's going to be the the best you know thing you can do walking into a group of investors. Yeah. But let's, let's talk about some of the ways that you can value a, a company. The most common method, I don't want to say method is the wrong word, the most common factors in the different calculations for businesses that have been established is using their revenue or EBITDA. EBITDA being earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And I mean, that's a pretty standardized general accounting practice number. It's an actual number. And and then usually there's a multiplier added to that depending upon, I don't know, the industry or, or, or what have you, right? There's different standards and so forth. And so usually there's different calculations based upon that, but the reality is if everyone used that, most of these startups would be worth basically zero because they're usually pre-revenue, so. Yeah, and basically what that is is taking the money if they do make revenue and throwing out all the, not the bogus expenses, but like when a NBA team says, oh, we don't make any money. But yeah, you have all these expenses there you just listed. When those get backed out, it's it's a big, big difference. Yeah. If they don't make any money, then yeah, you're still looking at zero. I don't care what the multiplier is. I think any multiplier times zero is still going to be zero, which makes sense. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let me check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put that in the calculator. Yes. There is another way that startups could, it's not, I, don't, I still don't think it's that common, is where you can use your assets that you have. I think maybe all startups to a certain extent uh, use their assets, but assets aren't necessarily the machinery and the you know supplies and the goods and you know your furniture and computers or inventory you have. It may be something else, it may be you know intangible, it could be your intellectual property, it could be your your actual software and your and your development of that. It could also be the cash that you have on hand from a, a previous investment and so forth. It could also be your goodwill too, because maybe you have like Twitter, right? You have a billion customers or billion users, but no one's paying you anything. But still, that's a that's an intangible property that goodwill is worth quite a bit. And so I think that's a little more common than, or it's definitely more common than kind of the EBITDA earnings kind of valuation. Uh, perspective. Yeah, it's more common, but you still kind of run to that same issue of how do you value, you know, you're looking to value into your your intangible property. And so yeah. obviously you can look at a building if you own, or if you own the land and see how much it's worth. But I mean, obviously that's getting appraised too, but sure. yeah, the intangible property is going to be 
where the the real money is or where real the real value is or what your assets are so that can work i guess but it's still you're kind of taking a stab at what things are worth yeah at the end of the day i don't there's this is not an exact science there are literally well i should say this there are literally scientists in this field there are literally firms that all they do is is value businesses and they have a whole like again, scientific method to it. They'll break it down in different formulas. They'll recommend a specific type of valuation, different circumstances based upon the industry, et cetera. But you know, at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do. And with startups, you don't really have that option to go that, go that route for getting a calculated valuation like that. What about the valuing the number of users you have and kind of projecting how much each one of those users are worth? you know, taking that times whatever and get your value. That's probably popular in, in kind of tech startups because you have maybe a user that's paying X, but it's still projections. But th- I think that's the most common way. People want to invest in, in you because of the potential, not what you're worth now. Even though you may be worth less now, but people are investing in your potential, your potential itself has value, Right. And so, so that's where you can add a little padding to it, so to speak, and get past those traditional EBITDA calculations or multipliers. Well, luckily I found this startup valuation calculator. <laughs> I saw that. Well, I was typing it into Google and the, like the thing that popped up was calculator. I was like, oh, I got to click on this. And so the first question is, what are the odds of your business surviving five years? <laughs> and you rate it from... Zero percent to a hundred. Hundred percent, I would say, right? I'd actually did run through this and plug. Basically, you're just guessing on what everything is, and I ran through it. But you had to put your you had to put your email at the end in order to get your valuation. So I didn't go through with it. Oh, I I, I went through with it. I just put some fake email. You don't actually have to confirm your email, which is cool. I basically put I put fifty percent chance that I'm surviving five years. Then I think. I can't remember what industry I picked. And these are all good questions to go through, so might as well. So how much cash and other assets does your business have, including property and equipment? So I just put zero. How much liabilities does your business have, including bill payables, loan, and debt? I put zero. How much revenue do you expect your business will produce this year? I put 100 grand. And then how much revenue do you expect your business will make produce five years from now? And I put 3 million. And then how much operating profit loss do you expect your business will generate this year. And I think I put 90,000 or so. 100,000 in revenue and 90,000 in profit. That's pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was very, very low overhead, just, right? Just the lemons. <laughs> <laughs> I filled it in pretty quickly. I, I wish I put more thought into it. But uh, and how much operating profit do you expect your business will generate five years from now? And I put, I think I put like 1 million or so. I can't remember exactly. Based upon that, how would you value it? You actually put in those numbers? Yeah, I put in those numbers. What do you, what would you say? Uh, I don't know. 5 million? It was actually 0.8 million was the valuation for today. 0.8 million? Yeah. Oh. So yeah, you're way off. You had a 90% profit margin. I mean, that's <laughs> basically printing money. <laughs> that's true. I think that, uh, I think that, I think that's a good point. That's a pretty good profit margin, but uh, maybe I was off. Maybe I said ten grand or something. I don't. I don't remember. Oh, and the I guess you've had the odds of you surviving at fifty percent. So I didn't discount it for that. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. And you didn't tell me which industry sector your business was in, which was the second question. So <laughs> I probably would have guessed point eight. <laughs> this site, and I'm sure there's other calculators. It, I guess it could give you an idea, but this is the same of going to anyone. And when it comes down to it, when you actually have to value your business because there's some event, whether you're looking for investment or what have you, to me, I'm thinking that you need to get as much information as possible and don't 
rely upon any one opinion and see what you can get. And another thing that people say, and, and I, I see some wisdom behind this, in your first round especially, getting the best valuation and the most money is not necessarily your goal. Because remember, you may have a second or third round, and a lot of times you want that to be a multiplier of your first round. And if you don't have that increase in growth, then you may have some momentum issues as well. From what I can remember on Shark Tank, they often, they seem to favor the the multipliers because they'll... For sales, yeah. Like the, for, for a specific industry, they'll mention the industry and they'll mention the multiplier and stuff like that. So that seems to be pretty popular. But my advice is what I said at the beginning, that there's no hard and fast rule. So whatever you value it at, go with it and be able to back it up. Stand by it, yeah. At least to the best of your ability. Yeah. You know, at least if you're confident and you can have some reasoning behind why you value it that valued it that way, then, you know, you won't look dumb. I have a feeling we're going to get some emails about this episode because... People are really passionate about this issue for whatever reason, and people just think that they're right. And I don't, I don't mind hearing those opinions. I'm just saying that I, I just don't think anyone, any one person or any one perspective has a monopoly on, on how to approach this because maybe there's a set way if you're approaching VCs in Silicon Valley, but not everyone's doing that. Some people are looking for investors, not necessarily just as a tech startup, but as a small business who's operating a gas station or, or buying a car wash or what, what have you. And so everyone's in different d- different roles and depending upon the investor that you're working with, depending upon the industry that you're working with and the people involved, how much you're raising, these are all very wide variables, I would say. Yeah, and just look at the list. Forbes does a value of the NBA franchises and theirs just came out. And the Clippers, which just very publicly sold for $2 billion, what, Earlier there, or I guess 2014, they just got valued at 1.6 billion. So that's a great example. And so that's too low. And some of these other ones, like you're telling me, they're just too low. Like they're, I mean, people are paying exorbitant amounts for these NBA franchises. So I mean, even then, I can shoot these down with whatever. But yeah. So according to them, the value is is overvalued according to some formula or dollars and cents or some guy that is studying this. But the frank the frank of the matter is people who study valuation aren't the ones buying businesses, right? They're customers, they're consumers, just like you and I, that if they go to the grocery store and if I go to the grocery store right now and I buy a banana for a bundle of bananas for $5, I have no idea if that's, if I overpaid or not. It sounds a little high for me, but if it was $5, I I think I'd be willing to pay that. But I, you know, I don't, I don't buy bananas every day. So, but I do like bananas. (laughs) This is great. Well, I was going to say something, but I like to just end it on the bookends as you started it with lemons and then you ended with bananas. So you did two yellow fruits and I think that's the perfect ending. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, which is a application that processes podcasts for us and you can rate it five stars. Thank you for joining us. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast, The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. 
The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.